Welcome to No Baller. My name is Chris Rawl, and thank you for joining me on today's show. I'm going to be talking about the beautiful game of ice hockey, the history of violence within the sport, and the idea that it's all part of the game. All of that on the other side of a word from our sponsor, Traeger Grills. With your Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. I love ice hockey with every fiber of my being. Uh, it's something that I've watched since I was a child, something I enjoy greatly following, reading the stats, gambling on it, talking about it with the few people within the state of Utah who like it, all of the things that go into following a sport. I, I crave it when it comes to ice hockey. It's a beautiful game, which I don't think is a word that is associated with ice hockey normally. Uh, but the speed, the skill, the dexterity, the grace, which also probably is not a word that is normally associated with ice hockey. That's a big draw for me. Uh, the incredible hand-eye coordination that it takes to deflect a 95-mile-an-hour slap shot that's waist-high and, and thread it through a goalie's five-hole. The incredible feats that we see from players like Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon when they're screaming down the ice at seemingly 100 miles an hour and shooting a wrist shot into a window above a goalie's shoulder that seems as big as the puck itself. It's it's an incredible blend of speed and skill and physicality, which I love within a sport. I love the body and the mind combination, all of those things. It's what draws me to ice hockey. So back in the mid-90s is when I get into the game. The Quebec Nordiques, they're looking to relocate, and they choose Denver, Colorado as their location destination. They become the Colorado Avalanche. They moved there in 1996. And I'm getting into the game at the time. The Avalanche become the local team for Utah. We don't have a hockey team here. There wasn't really one around. The Coyotes didn't exist. The Vegas Golden Knights didn't exist. So the Avalanche come. They're broadcast on Fox Sports Rocky Mountain, the regional sports affiliate. And that's what we would get in the state of Utah. So I become an Avalanche fan, my local team, despite the fact that I live in another state. And it was a golden era for Avalanche hockey, you know, littered with Hall of Famers. They win two Stanley Cups within the next five years. Peter Forsberg, my favorite player of all time. Joe Sackick, one of the great captains in NHL history. Now the general manager of the Avalanche. Patrick Waugh, arguably the greatest goaltender of all time. I could go down the list and talk for hours about this time and these players and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it really drew me in that, that, that to the sport, to watching this blend of high-level skill and high-level physicality. It's a lot of what I love about football. Uh, and ice hockey satiates the same thing, the same craving that I have inside me, which is to watch something like that. I love the way that players police themselves in contrast to other sports. That was a big draw for me. I would watch the NBA and, and especially in present day where everybody's flopping and flailing and complaining to the refs and strutting around and posturing and peacocking and having no intention whatsoever of hashing out their differences with the person that they're talking trash with. And I flip over to a playoff game or even a regular season game and you have to account for your actions in ice hockey. 
because your peers hold you to account. That's the way the game is structured. It's built into the DNA of the game. You do something cheap or dirty and you answer for that to the other team. They come after you and they say, we're going to have a fight. We literally will fight about this, this action that you have. And that was a great draw for me. And still, at certain points in present day, I really love that certain side of the game. Uh, the more uncomfortable part of hockey is that to love hockey is to, on some level, love violence. And I say this as a person who is about as nonviolent as they come uh, and not a very angry person in general. Those are just two things that aren't a huge part of my life. And yet... I love certain aspects of hockey that tap into anger and tap into violence. Again, it drew me back in the day at a time where the violence of the sport was much more celebrated. The avalanche against the Detroit Red Wings. Anybody who followed hockey at the time knows it's the greatest rivalry of that era. Many consider it the greatest rivalry in sports over that era. You know, the mid to late 90s, the early 2000s. And those games and playoff series were marked by literal bloodletting. It started with Claude Lemieux, who played for the Avalanche. He has a very questionable, questionable and dirty hit, honestly, uh, of, of Chris Draper, who played for the Detroit Red Wings against the boards in the 96 playoffs. And he fractures his face, catches him right against the boards, and it breaks his jaw. And, and that spun off a seven-year rivalry that was, from a consumer standpoint, about as scintillating as you could find. It was... Everything a hockey fan wanted, every single Colorado Avalanche versus Detroit Red Wings game was met with, I can't wait for that. And, and not just from the fans of the teams. Anybody who watched hockey was like that. And I had tons of people in my life who didn't care about hockey who would come to me and go, what's going on with that Avalanche Red Wings stuff? That was crazy. I saw that goalie brawl last night. What was that all about? And I go, Patrick Wall was fighting... Chris Osgood and everybody else was fighting and it was stems from this Claude Lemieux incident and that was celebrated and, and I was part of that celebration. Again, that's kind of what drew me in. The history of hockey is, again, to a certain extent, a history of violence. They're threaded together. The way the game has always been played and the way the game is still played, you can't really extract a certain element of violence. And, and to the NHL's credit, they've gotten better over the last 15-ish or so years as I'm going to get into about trying to determine what is acceptable and what is not. The hard part is hockey has always incorporated and celebrated violence up to a certain threshold. And nobody really knows what that threshold is. It's ambiguous. It's just floating out there in the ether. And it's kind of built upon perception. And it's built upon which team you were on. Is you're the person who, or are you rooting for the team or player who got hit? Then you gravitate towards, that's a dirty hit. That's something I don't want to see. And if you're on the other side, you go, it's just part of the game. He didn't mean to hit him in the head with his shoulder. Two people were barreling towards one another at very high speed on skates. And it was incidental. And it's part of the game. It's unavoidable. When you have that level of physicality threaded through a game's DNA, you can't extract it completely without altering the game. You can't do that. It's the idea that one team's cheap shot is another team's justice, right? All of those things are there when you watch hockey in present day. They have always been there. 
to an even higher extent in the past. And it raises a lot of points of reflection for people who watch it and for really the NHL and the committee that they formed for player safety about what needs to happen within this sport that's in the best interests of players first, safety, fans, putting a good product on the ice, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of really murky gray matter questions that are a lot of times hard to find answers for. So I speak about that history of violence, and I want to go back to a specific date and time. March 8th, 2004. I was almost 18. I would turn 18 later that month. And again, big Colorado Avalanche fan. So I watch all their games. Living at my parents' house at the time, I've carved out this den downstairs in their living room area. And I pile a bunch of TVs on top of one another. I have VHS tapes that I would record old Avalanche games on. I have their 2001 Stanley Cup run there. I'd pop it in from time to time, watch Joe Sackett coming in on a penalty shot in game one against the Blues. There's just, it was part of my life and I loved it. I still love it. On the walls, I got all these pictures plastered around, you know, ESPN magazine photographs and posters and all that kind of stuff. Peter Forsberg over here, Ray Bork hoisting the cup over there. All this stuff, it was part of my childhood. It's part of my adulthood. So the Avalanche are playing the Vancouver Canucks that night. And it was a bit of a rivalry at the time. And there was a bit player for the Avalanche. His name was Steve Moore, one of the forgettable fourth-line players that you only know if they're on your team and you watch them every day. They cycle in and out of the lineup. They don't really do anything except for eat up ice time and wait for the stars to come out. That was Steve Moore's career. And five days earlier, they were playing the Canucks. And he went after Marcus Nasland, who was one of the best players on the Canucks at the time with this uh, really hard hit, which the NHL deemed to be clean. They didn't find him or anything. There wasn't a penalty called. But the way that hockey works is, depending on which side of the fence you are on, you always will take umbrage with something like that. Whether or not it's clean is kind of irrelevant. Uh, you say, the unwritten rule of hockey is you cannot come after our star. If you do, you will be policed by your peers. And that was really, really, really a part of the game at this time. And it still is in present day, but even more so then. So five days later, they're playing again, March 8th, 2004. And we go in knowing that there's going to be something to come about from this because that's how hockey works. If you follow it and you watch it, you know. There was an incident with the team in the past. You knew the next time they played, that person would be called to account. So I want to read to you a, a quote that I pulled from a publication called The Verse about this. Steve Moore had violated the league's unwritten rules by taking a cheap shot on a valuable player and a non-fighter. Vancouver president and general manager Brian Burke, the league's former chief disciplinarian, described the play as a marginal player going after a superstar with a head-hunting hit. Todd Bertuzzi, for his part, called Moore a piece of shit. The two teams met again five days later, and the Canucks provoked more into fighting Matt Cook during the first period. The game turned into a blowout in the Avalanche's favor, and the Canucks still felt they had a score to settle. End quote. So he'd been called to account, and we just kind of thought it was over. You know, he fought Matt Cook in the first period. You knew that was going to happen. It happened a trillion times in the history of hockey. That's just the way the sport has been. You know, the next time you play, hey, you did something to our star player or you had a dirty hit, 
We're going to send somebody out who knows how to fight and they're going to come after you and you have to answer that bell. You have to do that. That's how hockey is played. So we kind of thought it was over. And yet in the third period, the Avalanche are blowing him out. And Todd Bertuzzi, the guy who would called more a piece of shit five days earlier, he goes after more in the third period. Bertuzzi, who is just this big Goliath of a man, right? And Moore, who'd already kind of answered the bell, is just like, I'm not interested. I know if I fight you, things are not going to go well for me. I'm not that big of a guy. I've done my part. I don't really want any part of this. So Moore's ant or Bertuzzi's antagonizing, and, and Moore just kind of skates away. And for whatever reason, uh, Bertuzzi just kind of loses it. And from behind, he sucker punches Steve Moore. So I'm watching this game at home. And I'm just kind of half paying attention in the third period because the abs are whomping them. And I mainly would just watch at that time because stuff like this would happen. You know, I would go, oh, yeah, there might be a fight or something will break out. And that was of interest to me at the time and to fans at the time. You know, I don't speak for myself. That was part of the culture of hockey. That was part of what was celebrated about hockey. And so Bertuzzi's behind him and he grabs his jersey and he sucker punches him with his left hand, catches him right in the jaw, knocks him out cold. And so Steve Moore's falling to the ice. And as he's falling, Bertuzzi's behind him, and he rides him down into the ground. So now he is ridden on top of him, 230-some-odd pounds, and drives his head directly into the ice. And I remember watching this at the time, and it was, like, so shocking and so exceeded that threshold that we couldn't actually define until we see it that I, I you know, I feel sick. I go, what the hell was that? Like, that looks like that guy died, right? So Steve Moore's career ends that night uh he fractures three vertebrae in his neck he doesn't play professional hockey again career over right bertuzzi suspended for a season uh and carries that with him into present day is the person who who did something that a lot of people watch and said uh how is this part of the game how is it part of the game so prior to that incident Violence was celebrated immensely, including by me. Again, I, 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 don't, I don't speak today to, to point the finger at everybody else. I say this is part of the game. It's how it was nurtured and how certain people still think. And though it has changed somewhat, there are still parts of it that are not ideal. You look back on that time and you had the big enforcers. That's what they were called. Fourth line players that didn't possess a, an ounce of hockey skill relative to other NHL players. And their skill was they were big and they were incredibly good at fighting. You know, your Stu Grimson's, your Ty Domi's, your Scott Parker, who, who played for the Avalanche, who was not talented whatsoever at hockey, but he could pound people with his fists. That was his gift. And at the time, that was deemed to be a valuable gift. You come after Peter Forsberg or Joe Sackick, you answer to Scott Parker. That's how it worked. So in 2004, I want to read to you a few stats from HockeyFights.com. In 2004, the NHL averages 0.64 fights per game. 41% of games had at least one fight. Very high amount, right? And the NHL starts to realize something about itself. It realizes violence has always been a part of our game, and it on some level will always be in our DNA. You can't change that. You can't change that in a very physical game. You go back to the Broad Street Bullies of the 80s. Uh, you go back to the Boston Bruins wading into the crowd at Madison Square Garden in the 70s and pounding on fans. As fans who themselves are part of that culture, they're trying to pound them back. 
And that was celebrated. Like, I remember in the 90s, I would watch it and go, man, that cr- that's crazy stuff. You have hockey fight videos passed around of these sweet KOs and all that kind of stuff. That's what it was. And, and the NHL, they got to a certain point where they realized, mm, the amount of violence, it, it can't be this. It can't be Todd Bertuzzi sucker punching Steve Moore and fracturing vertebrae in his body. It can't be... Marty McSorley slashing Donald Brashear right in the temple at the end of a game and knocking him out cold. It can't be stuff like that. Like, that's not cause for celebration. That's not in anybody's best interest. That's sickening for the player. Uh, fans don't want to watch that. And it eliminates people who are talented and who have a gift for playing hockey. Like, I don't want to see those people. I don't want to see people injured in general. But when you're talking about it strictly from a sporting scent, I don't want to see the best players of the game have a chance where something like that could happen to them. So in present day, we go through all these rule changes. We go, hey, we're going to implement a a little stricter penalties. There's going to be an instigator penalty. If you want to go and fight somebody at the end of the game, there's going to be fines that come about that rather than the old where you just came in, you instigated, and you pounded on somebody because you were mad you were down by four goals. That stuff doesn't fly as much anymore. You're fined for that. You get a game misconduct for that. Um... You go and you headhunt somebody in open ice. You go and you try to obliterate them and you catch them in the head. That's an immediate suspension. The stuff we know about concussions, the stuff we know about CTE, all the stuff that has been talked about ad nauseum for the last five years with hockey and football and any other sport that's built around head trauma. Those sports have gotten incrementally better at going, we don't want this. As much as we can do to police this out, and again, you cannot fully police all of it out. As much as we can do, we should be doing. That's kind of the idea. That's the belief on the fan side of what the NHL is doing. So in present day, we're down to 0.19 fights per game, and 16% of games have at least one fight. So an enormous drop from 2004 when it comes to just strictly fighting, which is part of all all of this this sideshow that ties into hockey. And we've seen uh, an influx in the NHL and the mindset and ideology change from teams and players of what is more valuable and to a certain extent, what is acceptable when it comes to how you conduct yourself on the ice. I'll mention my favorite team again, the Colorado Avalanche. They've built their roster in present day strictly around the concepts of speed and skill, which people who don't watch hockey, they probably hear and go, wouldn't everybody do that? And yet it's been kind of a revolutionary experiment because the NHL has always had these slow lead foot players who were just known for, I'm physical, I'll get you in the corner and I'll mash you into a little ball. And if you look cross-eyed at my star, I'll punch you right in the face. And the Avalanche don't really have that on their roster. It's all speed, it's all skill. And there are still a lot of hockey people who go, I don't know if that's built to sustain a winning team. I don't know if come playoff time where people get a lot more physical and there's a lot less space to work with. I don't know if that can actually work to just have speed and skill out on the ice. There's a lot of hockey people who still believe in that grit and the moxie and all the the manly things that we associate with these bygone eras of sports. So two nights ago, the Capitals and the Rangers play. And there's a player on the Capitals who 
His name is Tom Wilson, who has a very notable history of violence in his own right. Uh, earlier this year, he was suspended seven games for checking Brandon Carlo, a defenseman for the Bruins, in the head. Over the course of his career, he's totaled 30 games in suspensions. He's forfeited nearly $1.3 million in salary. He's been suspended five different occasions. Uh, in pretty much everybody who watches hockey's opinion, he's the dirtiest player in hockey. Also a gifted hockey player. So, two nights ago, there's a second period scrum. Scrum meaning everybody gets together and you just kind of mash and wash people's faces. And it's part of the culture of hockey. And you don't really ever think about it when you watch hockey for a long time. And yet, when I watch it with people who never watch hockey, they go, what in the hell is happening? Why did the play just stop? And everybody's either trying to punch each other in the head with their gloves on or grabbing each other's face and washing it around or grabbing them from behind and trying to tackle them down to the ice. How is all this legal? And I go, nah, it's just part of the game. You know, it's, it's what hockey is. So there's a scrum. And during the course of this scrum, Tom Wilson, a guy, again, with a very notable history of violence, he has two separate incidents where... Pavel Buchnevich, who's a very good player for the Rangers. He gets taken down by Wilson, and Wilson sucker punches him right in the back of the head. So this sets off an additional scrum. So now we've the, the first scrum has turned into an even bigger scrum because people have seen that, and now they're angry. So another star player for the Rangers, name is Artemi Panarin, winger for him. And he's not a big dude. He would never, ever, in a million years, be able to hold up in a fight against Tom Wilson, who is a very gifted fighter when he drops the gloves. And Panarin comes over because this is what hockey is. And, and again, this is part of what I really like about hockey. Uh, it's a component of loyalty. And it's a component of camaraderie. It's the things that you crave in actual life. You know, there, I value those two things greatly within my own life. Uh, I consider myself to be very loyal. And, and I like the camaraderie that comes with people who I love within my life. I like those aspects a lot. And that's reflected when you watch hockey in a strange way. People always will stick up for their teammates. And if something happens that is violent, then you come and you say, you have to answer for that action. So Panarin, he, he comes. And because this is what hockey is, you stick up for your teammates. And he comes over to Tom Wilson and he's trying to do whatever he can. And Tom Wilson takes advantage of this because it's kind of what Tom Wilson wants. And he ends up having a little tussle with Panarin where he's jerking him around because he outweighs him by a bunch and he slams him down on the ice and comes about uh, a hair from repeating the Steve Moore Bertuzzi thing, which was the head straight onto the ice. And he injures Panarin. Panarin's now out for the season. We're not fully sure what that is. Luckily, his head wasn't slammed directly on the ice, but how close it was is like pretty intense when you watch the video. So you see something like that and you go, okay, this seems pretty cut and dry because the NHL and hockey as a sport and fans as consumers have gotten to a better place where they comprehend, we still can't identify the threshold of violence, but we know we're more cognizant on the extreme violent end that this stuff probably isn't as acceptable as it once was. And yet, th that might not be as true as we want to believe about a sport that we all love. I want to read to you a quote from Tariq El-Bashir from The Athletic. 
And it comes from the two coaches that night, Capitals coach and the Rangers coach. Here it is. I thought it was just a scrum, like a physical play. Capitals coach Peter Laviolette said, there was something going on originally with the goalie and they're jamming at the goalie and a bunch of players jump in there. It happens a lot. Rangers coach David Quinn saw things differently, saying, we all saw it. There are lines that can't be crossed in this game. There's just zero respect for the game in general. You got one of the star players in this league now that could have gotten seriously, seriously hurt in that incident, end quote. So you see that theme that I talked about earlier, the it's part of the game theme. And the, it depends on which side of the fence you were on as to how you interpret an incident. And when you know that those mindsets exist, it's really, really, really hard to continually police violence within a sport or to say what is acceptable or what is not acceptable. So a tweet sent out as this is going on from the Washington Capitals Twitter account, their official Twitter account, kind of celebrating what's going on. It says something along the lines of at Capitals choose violence, those exact words. And then it has a picture of Tom Wilson and, you know, like these memes that are associated with him. And so people freak out because it's Tom Wilson and he has this crazy past. And then the more you watched everything slow down and understood what was going on in the scrum and the more you could actually see the punch on Bushnevich, the sucker punch, and the, the slamming of Panarin and how close his head was to the ice, you go whoa, that might not be something that you want to celebrate. So they take it down after 30 minutes. And there's the inevitable firestorm that comes alongside somebody sending out an ill-advised tweet. Yesterday, you know, I get a headline coming across ESPN. It says, Caps Wilson fined $5,000 for punch, case closed. Which I see and I go, well, <laughs> wait a second. Tom Wilson has a, an incredible history with doing things exactly like this. Seems like a, a very punishable offense and something that everyone agrees we want legislated out of the game. There's not really a place for the goonery of the past. I don't crave it. I don't think really anybody craves it. Uh, the stuff that I thought was cool in 2004, 1995, when it comes to hockey, I don't see eye to eye with that. Um, but there's still a place for the physicality and again, to a certain extent of violence, which is an uncomfortable truth about hockey, an uncomfortable truth about being a fan. There's always a part of that game that will tap into that. And again, it's a great draw as a player, as a viewer, and all those things. I'm going to read to you another quote from Tariq El-Bashir about this specific quote, or this specific tweet, rather, sorry. A team official told The Athletic that the tweet didn't meet the team's social media standards. Since January 1st, the team's main account has sent out more than 2,700 tweets. But that one, and in particular the choice of the word violence, missed the mark, the official said. End quote. The choice of the word violence. I find that endlessly fascinating. Because we all agree violence is a part of the sport. We all agree that violence, to a lesser extent, needs to be a part of the sport. Uh... Skating across the ice and being body checked, getting slammed up against the boards. Those are all things that you can't take out of hockey. It's not possible. Uh, some people would argue fighting itself. We don't want the goonery of the past, but there is a certain lure in present day 
to fighting still be legal and, and, and in certain incidents where you go, hey, listen, that was not acceptable. You and I are going to have to fight. There's a lure to that. 100% there is. Now, this is a very murky situation because I'm one of the people who is never comfortable casting moral judgments. It's just not who I am. Uh, I do my own thing and, and I let other people do their own thing. And I don't really lean into the idea of what you did was so bad and what you did was right. And, and, and there's these really hard line rights and wrongs. Uh, as part of that, you know, I'm never comfortable when something like this arises and everyone's piling on to a social media person who sent out a tweet that, yeah, looks ill-advised. At the same time, they're in a roundabout way promoting standards that all hockey fans, myself included, are comfortable with to a certain extent. There's an interesting thought. You're comfortable with the violence, but only to a certain extent, and you can't really define what that extent is until you see it. Very, very, very strange idea to engage with when you're a fan of the sport of hockey. I want to go back to Tom Wilson, and I want to go back to how the NHL and the Department of Player Safety, uh, how they work, and just this kind of crossroads that they are continually at and, and may be at for all of time in a sport where violence will always be a part of it. I want to read to you another quote. This one comes from Sean Gentile, who also writes for The Athletic. What makes Wilson special, not good special necessarily, just a deviation from the norm, is an almost preternatural sense of the Department of Player Safety's stomach capacity. That's how we went two and a half years, October 2018 to March 2021, without getting in real trouble. It's not because he fundamentally changed. It's because he gained a greater sense of what the league would accept and the league met him in the middle, end quote. What the league would accept. That's the line that stands out to me. Because I see all of these Tom Wilson incidents, and if it was a different person in a different light who didn't have a past, I've had this exact conversation with people who watch hockey. You'll see an incident and you go, ah, it might be different dirty, but they're moving at high speeds and maybe he just didn't know that he was going to be there at this moment and he dipped his shoulder at the wrong time and this person's head was in the wrong place. All the things we say when it comes to these high-speed collisions in hockey or football, you can tell when it seems premeditated and you were trying to do that. Most hits are not that and most things are not that when it comes to the violent side of these sports. You can always kind of excuse it if it's the right person because you go, ah, I, don't, I can't really tell, honestly. If I'm on the side of the team who the player was hit, I'm probably pretty pissed. And I probably think it's a dirty hit. And he could have prevented it and he was going out of his way to do that. And if I'm on the other side, I say, what do you want from a guy who's skating 25 miles an hour and then suddenly somebody darts in front of him and they meet? What do you want from that? So I understand all of that. And I understand the gray area that comes about in this sport. And yet, as a person who loves hockey immensely, I watch, you know, uh, the sucker punch to Pavel Buchnevich, and I think it's a pretty cut and dry, how is there a place in the game for this? That's a suspendable offense. That's not something we want in the game. I think almost everybody would agree on that. 
You know, I, I watch a player's head be driven towards the ice like Wilson's doing with Panarin, and I go, I don't really get how this is an acceptable form of violence within the sport. It doesn't make a lot of sense. This is somebody trying to eliminate another player. I want to watch an airy, or I, I want to watch our Timmy Panarin play hockey. I want to watch Artemi Panarin be healthy as just a human being. And, and that's a whole other issue where you just, I don't want to see people injured just randomly. You know, there's a certain amount of collateral damage that comes from sports. And we feel better about it as fans when you go, ah, that happened in, in a normal manner. You know, you blew your knee out. You blew your knee out on a football field, not because of a hit. It just bent the wrong way. That sucks. That's, you know, I feel bad for you. That's collateral damage. It's built into the sport. We excuse that stuff. And the athletes themselves probably think in, in a similar manner. And we do that with hockey. And yet, as a person who wants to see some of that stuff change, this seems like a pretty good reflection point where the NHL can look at it and go, do we actually really think that's acceptable? Is this just a $5,000 fine and the case is closed? Or is this a person with a history of violence and there sh probably shouldn't be a place in a game for acts like this and, and players like this? I don't know. That's Again, it's a, it's a hard conversation and one with not clearly defined answers. I'm going to end where I started. To love hockey is to, on some level, love violence. In situations like this, there are never clear-cut answers to the murkiness. You can't take violence out of hockey without neutering the sport. And I don't think anybody who follows hockey and loves it truly wants violence taken out of it. You can't stop fans and players and media from celebrating a clean, hard hit or a, an impactful fight because those are deeply intertwined with the DNA of the sport. It's part of what hockey is. And yet all of these things form a system that enables and encourages players like Tom Wilson to do what they do. A player who has gained a greater sense of what the league will accept. So at, at the crux of the issue is you can alter and tweak rules and penalties when it comes to violence, but you can't actually eliminate it. It's not possible. So moving forward, you look at the NHL and the Department of Player Safety and you go, okay, your job is to determine the best ways to punish and indeed what is worth punishing. Uh, but that violence is always going to remain within the sport. It's the push and the pull. It's the magnetism of a sport that is built upon two foundational principles, skill and physicality. So I don't have answers, obviously. This, these are more ruminations and reflections on just my relationship to a sport that has things that probably could change for the better, and yet I'll watch hockey regardless of what happened because it's just so deeply intertwined with my life. You know, I don't have answers. And honestly, the NHL and the Department of Player Safety, the more we see with them, they might not have the best answers either based on the things that I've been talking about. The fact that you can't extract violence from the sport and it is so, so hard to define what the acceptable threshold is.
and what the acceptable amount of celebration is when it comes to lesser acts of violence. All of these observations, they tie into a theme that I constantly reference on this show that I think is pertinent to the NHL. Just because things have always been a certain way doesn't mean that always must be so. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find No Baller.